What is up, everybody? Happy Friday. Michael here, and you're listening to Our Future, the business podcast for young people. Make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening. We have some insane execs coming on the show over the next few weeks. You don't want to miss a single episode of the most entertaining business interview podcast of all time. My next guest is Lori Shearer. She's a partner at Bain & Company, and there she leads Bain's advanced analytics practice. She helps companies from industries like banking, insurance, and telecom capture more value across their business. Lori has extensive experience in the consulting sphere. Before joining Bain, she was co-founder and CEO of McKinsey's Insurance Solutions Practice. This one was hype. Let's go behind the scenes into the consulting industry. Consulting is an industry that a ton of young people are excited about. It's something they get excited about in college with these companies recruiting you know, a lot of junior seniors to come join the ranks of the company early on. When you were my age, 20 years old, you know, a, a junior in college, did you envision yourself working for one of these, you know, elite management consulting firms? You know, I sort of got my start in sort of a patchwork quilt of career moves. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I was a psychology major undergrad. And then the hard reality of, you know, being thrown out of the nest and having to make a living hit pretty hard. So, you know, I networked and I got a job in um, in Boston uh, for Fidelity, the uh, asset management company. And from there, I networked into other things. And then eventually I got an opportunity to start a company. So I was an entrepreneur at like 22. And I realized that it would be helpful to have some accounting and finance background uh, if you're going to run a company. So I matriculated at Babson in the MBA program at night and eventually got my MBA. And from there, ended up in consulting. So quite a windy road and not very, uh, not very well planned out. When we think of these different industries, you know, whether it be retail or travel, and we think of the impact that COVID-19 has had on them, you know, it's very visible. But we don't really hear a lot about what, what's going on in the consulting industry because it is this multi-billion dollar you know, sphere. So how is the pandemic and you know, what's going on in the economy affected the, the work at these big consulting companies like Bain? Yeah, well, I'd have to say, you know, we, we keep track, pretty close track of our competitors and the three big companies in this business. We all saw sort of a shock effect in March and early April where, you know, our businesses were down a bit as people were just sort of very focused on getting their workforce on virtual and just adjusting to all these changes and such. But actually, you know, we've been seeing in um, late May, early June, uh, is the business really picking back up to sort of its regular levels. And, you know, the world has to keep going. We have to keep our economy moving. We have to, you know, keep things moving. So I think retail's probably obviously been hit the hardest, but, you know, financial services, healthcare, the other verticals we serve still have to continue to, um, to continue to grow and figure out their strategies. And many companies now are actually kind of focusing on performance improvement and cost, cost management, cost containment, because nobody sort of knows how long this is going to go on and what the long-term impact's going to be. It's been, uh, you know, it's been an interesting and exciting time as consultants to try to help these senior executives uh, wrestle through the uncertainty of the environment we're in. Your leadership at Bain is focused in like digital transformation, data analytics. Is the way that you talk to businesses about analytics changed in response to, to the pandemic? I wouldn't say it's changed. I mean, the opportunity to use analytics to drive performance improvement, both on the cost containment and on the, let's call it the personalization, customization, delighting the customers, that, that front, it's all still there. Um, I think... Companies are looking to automation 
which is, you know, an adjacent topic to data and analytics, certainly machine learning driven automation is, um, you know, a very powerful lever that companies can pull to improve efficiency. And there's probably more need for that now than there was now that a lot of people are working virtually. The big, the big uptick in the industry that I've been working in recently is in healthcare, the big uptick in telemedicine. So obviously continue, people need to continue care and they have to find virtual ways to do it. And the big question is, as we've seen all this care shift telemedicine, this huge spike in these um, integration platforms that support it, uh, the question is, what will the new normal look like when this sort of settles back down? People who want to use telemedicine to refill a prescription or to talk to a physical therapist for that matter, it's pretty darn convenient. And it's opened up a lot of access to care where there might not have otherwise been easy access to that care. I think we're still gonna see a pretty big shift to uh, people being very comfortable doing things virtually. What's one thing that, as it relates to analytics that companies typically don't see? So what, what, do, what are they usually missing when you come in there and say, hey, like you need to improve in these areas? So the first thing that companies are wrestling with a lot of times is just the data assets themselves. So as companies in these incumbent industries wake up to the power that data and analytics can create for their business, the first thing they have to do is come to grips with the fact that they've run their IT systems in silos and they have not necessarily looked at their data, you know, as a horizontal at, as, asset across those systems. So that's the first thing. Companies are putting a lot of effort and energy into building data platforms, data lakes, and getting their data into a, into a place where it can be available for analytics. And the cloud providers such as AWS and Google and, and Microsoft are all building you know, tools on their platform that make it easier for that to happen. So I think we'll continue to see companies upgrade their technology platforms, migrate to cloud, and in doing so, um, you know, liberate their data assets in a way that makes them more usable. So that's the first thing. The second thing that we see a lot is oftentimes there's a disconnect between the analytics team and the business leaders. The business leaders don't really fully understand how analytics can create value for their function or their business. And the technical people often ha have a hard time explaining analytics to the business leaders. So oftentimes we'll run workshops where we bring the technical community together with the business leaders. We sort of unwrap, what are the strategic goals of this unit? Are you in a growth mode? Are you focused mostly on customer satisfaction and growth and retention? Or are you in a cost containment mode? Because that would dictate sort of the prioritization of the different use cases that the team should be working on. So very important to have the goals of the analytics team in lockstep alignment with the goals of the business. And oftentimes we see there's a disconnect there. When you're talking to these, these clients, what, what really stands out, do you think, in presenting to them? Like what will really pique a client's interest? What really makes them pay attention and kind of think about this new way of thinking that you're proposing and makes them kind of want to step out of their kind of old entrenched way of doing things? I think many CEOs in these sort of incumbent companies in banking and insurance and healthcare and others, they're seeing a significant amount of disruption in their marketplace, the fintechs, the insure techs, and increasingly all this money that's pouring into health tech. Um, and the CEOs know that while they are sitting on a very large customer base and they have a very stable business in many ways, that they've seen in other industries, like in retail, they've seen massive disruption where incumbents have been, you know, pretty hurt by, by not getting ahead of technology and not getting ahead of the game. So 
we find that as this movie has played out in a couple of other industries, CEOs are pretty savvy. And when you start talking about it and you start talking about the ways in which um, potentially their position and their marketplace is threatened. And then you have to flip it pretty quickly to what's the opportunity? Because you can't be all doom and gloom. You have to sort of say, well, all of this disruption represents a massive opportunity, but these companies, these startups are much more nimble. Their data assets are you know, available. They're primarily digital. So they, they create a lot of data and they have technology and modernized platforms so that they can leverage that data and technology. And so the savvy CEOs and senior leaders who you know, want to drive the growth, the future growth of their company are pretty receptive to the idea that they, they, need, they need to do a lot of things. It isn't just about technology. They have to mobilize their leadership and to believe in a vision for the future. And that's where consulting firms can be very helpful because we, um, we can bring a fact base. We can bring business leaders into a workshop where they can discuss these topics. We can help them drive alignment on a vision for the future. And then we can also help them with a sort of what needs to change in order to tackle that new vision. What do you love about your job? What do you love about working with clients and, you know, helping them position their business in new ways and accept new ideas they hadn't thought about before? Obviously, to be attracted to this kind of work, you have to be intellectually curious. You have to be somebody who's really always learning. You're, you're never you're sort of, you know, even at this senior level of my career, I'm always learning. I'm listening to podcasts. I'm reading. I'm trying to stay up, going to conferences and stuff. So you have to be somebody who's really motivated by the challenge of like learning and synthesizing and the intellectual part of the job. But you also have to be sort of a, a personality type that likes to help other people win and likes to help other people succeed right? Because we're not running these companies. We're, we're trying to help the leaders of these companies make good decisions and to mobilize their people against, you know, big goals, big, hairy, audacious goals. And so you have to be the type of personality that really likes to uh, the people side of the business. And that really takes a lot of pride and pleasure out of seeing other people succeed. Laura, you've worked for uh, Bain and you, you also worked at McKinsey. And these are two companies that anybody recruiting to consulting are going to apply to. So how would you kind of delineate between the culture at Bain and the culture at McKinsey? How are, how are they different working there? They're both world-class, world-class top-notch companies, as you know. Um, you can't go wrong, right? If you want to be in consulting, one of the big three uh, strategy, prestigious strategy firms is the place to try to be. For me personally, um, I enjoyed my time at McKinsey. It's obviously um, the largest of the three it's an incredibly intellectually stimulating place. It's most of the leaders there are sort of zero degrees of separation from anybody and anything that you might want to get in touch with or have a meeting with. So having that kind of access was a real privilege. I think the McKinsey partners are, they recognize that that's a privilege. They hold it quite dear. Um, they're highly uh, you know, intellectually motivated and, and, and wonderful people. So I enjoyed the three years that I spent there. For me personally, um, Bain is a slightly smaller company and is um, still has kind of a family founder feeling to it. Uh, it's a very close-knit culture that's also very welcoming and very inviting to other people. And it's just been lovely for me. What piece of advice would you give students who want to work in consulting? Because constantly it's emphasized that there's no you know tried and true way to get in. They're looking for intellectually curious people. If there's one piece of advice you could give people who are preparing the summer with case interviews and whatnot, uh, who are really excited about a potential career internship in consulting. 
the whole case interview uh, format uh, can be pretty intimidating for folks. So I think, you know, the more practice that you get with it, and there's plenty of coaching online, but also I've had people, you know, reach out to me and say, hey, so-and-so is going to be interviewing in the second round. And is there somebody who might be able to give them 30 minutes on the phone to kind of give them some tips? I feel like the people who are proactive with that kind of reach out, they they, they practice, they practice with their friends on the case interview style. And, and they also reach out to their network of friends, people who have jobs in consulting. And I think all that just makes the candidate more confident coming into that process. Obviously, I have done the interviewing and it's so, so hard because <laughs> the candidates we see, all of them are just amazingly talented people. And, you know, you'd really like to say yes to 100% of them, but unfortunately we can't. And so it's it's really tough on the other side is the interviewer. I'll just say that much. But um, I think the candidates who have practiced and have a little more confidence in the process have a bit of an edge. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Lori Shearer. She's a partner at Bain & Company and she leads their advanced analytics practice. If you're interested in recruiting consulting this fall or in the future, there's a few things I've learned from this interview and what I did in May with Chris Beerley, who's also a partner at Bain. If you're intellectually curious, a voracious learner, a real go-getter, and you like to help other people win, it's probably a great fit. If those attributes don't describe you, probably not the place you should be looking to work. It's an extremely competitive process and the students who go in to the interview process with the most case experience and confidence are the ones who will have an edge. Dope potting with you guys today on this beautiful Friday. Have an insane weekend. To all the futurists out there, stay safe and stay frosty.